Time for you and your money. Joining me today, Michael Baum, Vice President and Associate Financial Advisor at Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors, as they are located in Pomfret, and now they're located in Tallinn. Welcome back, Mike. Thanks, Wayne. Good morning. Today, Mike's going to walk us through a topic that's at the top of a lot of people's minds these days, student loan forgiveness. But on our monthly You and Your Money program, we always start things off with the latest news from the financial markets. What do you got, Mike? Well, I want to start off with some economic updates and just to say overall the fundamentals of the economy are showing really good signs of resiliency despite what you might be seeing in the headlines. So, yes, job growth is down, but it's still healthy. And consumer confidence actually rose a bit in April. Uh, business confidence remains strong, and earning data from companies has come in well above what analysts were projecting for the first quarter. So, um, you know, some good news there. Um, obviously, the biggest risks we see um, are, are coming in the continued fight against inflation. Yesterday, the Fed announced an interest rate increase of another 0.25%. And this was exactly in line with their expectations, and while the Fed Chairman Jerome Powell indicated they'd not yet made a decision on whether or not they'll pause raising rates here and leave it at the current level for a while. He did add, there's a sense that we're much closer to the end of this than the beginning. So, you know, the markets are going to interpret those comments and, and try to read the tea leaves and see what's coming, but it does seem like there, there may be a pause of, ri- of the rising interest rates. They may hold steady for a while, and then eventually, you know, we'll look to see some decrease in those interest rates, which would would definitely help with growth. Michael, as a financial advisor, what's your take on that? Do you think that raising another quarter of a percent was a good idea? And what's the effect on the general population? Who is affected by that, both positively and negatively? Uh, Good question, Wayne. So, I I mean, I think the, the Fed is really... They've been very clear about this from the beginning. The, their target is to get inflation back to 2%. It's clearly not there yet. Um, there's still work to do. We know that some of the impact of rising interest rates takes some time to show up in the data. But at the same time, I think they're very cautious of doing too little here and, uh, and seeing inflation start to tick up again and then putting them in a position where you know, they, they're, they're sort of exhausting every tool they have and they don't want to go back to raising interest rates 75 basis points or, you know, or, or those larger interest rate hikes because those provide even a bigger shock to the, to the markets and to the system. So they, they, they're hopeful that another quarter percent is just the right amount to kind of push it to where things need to be, and then they can sit back and watch the data stream in to show that, yes, inflation is coming back down to 2%, and all those rising interest rates have been effective. Um, as far as who this helps, um, you know, it, it, it's it's not really great for anybody. It's it's at least it's not a, as big of a hike as we were seeing earlier this year uh, or, or last year. But it's definitely going to make it harder to borrow. It's going to make your you know your mortgage rates and and any interest rates on uh, on credit card debt that you're carrying go up. Um, so you know it's going to continue to pinch um, at lending and 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 those who have outstanding debt. Um, it's only going to be more expensive now. So. I'm not sure it really helps anybody other than and uh, maybe those who are investing in fixed income and are sitting back and taking advantage of these higher interest rates right now. Do you think the rebound from COVID has spiked this inflation rate? 
Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the main drivers that, that we that we see and, and that has been in the data. There was a lot of pent-up demand. I mean, consumer spending has remained very strong in the face of, you know, a looming recession and, uh, and these higher interest rates. So, um, you know, people are still wanting to go out. They want to take vacations. They want to do things. They're spending money. Um, and, and they, you know, are, are now seeing a, a little bit of the, the snapback to reality that, you know, the, the free money and low interest rate days of, of, the, of the pandemic are over for a while. And, uh, and, and they have to ba- people have to balance, you know, wanting to do all those things and spend their money and knowing that it's going to be a little bit more expensive to pay for. All right. Well, thanks for those updates, Mike. Now, on to the issue of student loan forgiveness. First of all, walk me through how everything has unfolded with the proposed plan so far. Yeah, so the the movement to forgive a portion of the skyrocketing student loan debt started over a decade ago, but it accelerated quickly in the last year or so with President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. So during his presidential campaign, President Biden promised to forgive all undergraduate tuition-related federal student debt from two- and four-year public colleges and universities and certain private universities for debt holders earning up to $125,000. And he began working toward that promise after he was inaugurated in January of 2021. And in August of 2022, he announced he would cancel up to $20,000 in student loan debt per borrower. That's quite a bit. What exactly are the details of who could have debt canceled as part of this plan and how much? Well, the plan limits the debt forgiveness to Americans who had taken out qualifying federal student loans and who earn under $125,000 per year if you're a single tax filer or $250,000 per year if you're a married couple. Um, So the relief was capped at that amount of a borrower's outstanding eligible debt. So you're not actually going to be able to apply for reimbursement of debt that you already paid off. Um, you'd have to have outstanding debt and qualify based on the type of loans and uh, your, your income level. And in terms of how much in debt relief each borrower is eligible for, the amount is up to 20000 for those who are need-based Pell Grant recipients and up to 10000 for all other bar- borrowers who took out a qualifying federal loan. You said you'd need to apply. I'm guessing that means that if you do not reach out to the government, you will not get this forgiveness. They're not going to come to you, like perhaps by mail. I don't think they would email, but they don't notify you about this, do they? No, that's a, that's a really good point, Wayne. Yeah, I mean, if you're a student loan, uh, if you have outstanding student loan debt, you, you need to do a few things. You know, you need to make sure it's one of these types of loans that qualify. And you need to make sure that you are taking the proactive steps and and doing everything right according to the process that's going to be laid out to actually apply for and receive um, the the forgiveness. In particular, which loans would qualify? Yeah, it's really important to understand this is a, a program for federal student loans. So if you have private student loan debt, this is this program is not going to help you. You're not going to be able to be eligible for forgiveness. So that means you're going to look for direct subsidized loans, direct unsubsidized loans, direct consolidation loans, direct plus loans, or FFEL loans owned by the U.S. Department of Education. Those would be the ones that would qualify for forgiveness. And I just want to quickly point out here also that the plus loans um, in particular, are, it's important to take note of there because those are loans that were taken out by parents 
to pay for their child's tuition, and those do qualify. So it's not just students themselves who are eligible for forgiveness. So if you're a parent who took out a PLUS loan for your child, you'll also want to make sure to watch what's happening with this issue because you may be able to apply for debt forgiveness on that loan as well. That's a very important note. Glad you pointed that out. I understand that President Biden announced this plan last August. Then some legal action was taken to stop the plan. Update me on that. Yeah, so in September of last year, six different states, Nebraska, Missouri, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, and South Carolina, all sued President Biden and the Department of Education. And in that suit, they claimed that Congress had never approved massive student loan cancellation and that the administration improperly used the HEROES Act to enact the plan. And what, again, is the HEROES Act? Yeah, the HEROES Act is a 2003 law that, that gives the Secretary of Education expansive authority to alleviate hardship that federal student loan recipients may suffer as a result of national emergencies. So the student loan forgiveness plan used the, the language of the HEROES Act to allow debt forgiveness, and it was also used by by both Trump and Biden administrations to put a pause on repayment on all federally owned student loans as a result of the pandemic. I don't know if you remember that, Wayne, but there was a, a period of time where, you know, student loan borrowers were not required to make any payments just as a result of the hardship of the, the pandemic. Can you get a little deeper into the mindset of those six states? You mentioned Nebraska, Missouri, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, and South Carolina, on why they're so opposed to this. i got to think there's a lot of people in those states, as well as the other 44 states, who would like to see student loan forgiveness. Yeah, well, I think this becomes a little bit political. Um, so I, I don't know, you know the exact makeup of those states, um, but I would guess they are... Uh, you know, looking to push back on this uh, on, from a political standpoint. And, and uh, you know, it's a, sort of a, a Democrat versus Republican thing here. This was Biden's plan, and it was, you know, certainly would help constituents in those states. Um, but, you know, there's just, uh, it's become a political football like just about anything else. So uh, I guess that's about all I'm going to say on that one. So where are things with that lawsuit and the plan now? Well, applications for debt relief were actually opened in October of last year, even though the lawsuits had been filed, and, and so it was sort of unclear what was going to come of that. Um, the same month that they opened applications for debt relief, the Supreme Court dismissed the lawsuit, saying that it lacked standing. But then right after that, those six states appealed. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals in St. Louis gave an emergency order temporarily blocking the forgiveness plan. So there's been back and forth appeals and dismissals through October, November, and then eventually the Department of Education said we're going to stop accepting these student loan forgiveness applications until this is resolved. Because I think what they don't want is to start granting out forgiveness, giving out you know, money to, to people who, uh, who qualify and then have that contested and then have those people, you know, I don't know, have to pay it back. So it, it just became a little bit of a, a mess. And they said we're going to just stop taking these applications until we have real clarity. So... Um, Along with that, they decided we're also going to continue extend the pause on student loan repayment until June 2023, or until the debt relief program is either implemented or it's the the litigation is successful and it's blocked altogether. Is there a timeline for when the litigation is expected to be completed? Not a definitive date, but the appeal was delivered to the Supreme Court in February, and their decision is widely expected to be delivered by late June. Um, so if the plan is allowed to move forward, the Department of Education will likely reopen 
the student loan forgiveness website and, and resume accepting and processing applications shortly thereafter. Uh, but regardless of whether the plan goes forward or is struck down, the pause on student loan payments will be lifted 60 days after the decision is made or 60 days after June 30th of this year. So whatever comes first, if you have those outstanding student loans and you've been pausing on payments waiting to see what happens, you're going to want to make sure to start making those payments again um, after June 30th of this year. And let me connect the dots on something we talked about earlier, and that's this increase by the Fed by one quarter of a percent yesterday, and they've done it several times in the last year or thereabouts. Does that have any effect on people who have outstanding student loans? No, those rates are fixed, so those are going to operate like your your, your mortgage. Uh, once you lock it in, you know it's not subject to uh, you know increases based on you know what what the Fed's doing or interest rate fluctuation. Uh, but if you're borrowing today, certainly higher interest rates um, are are going to be a, a thing that you'll feel, and uh, so that's going to be, um, you know, seen in in the cost of borrowing for for student loans for new student loan debt that you're taking out now. So hopefully we'll have an answer on this one way or the other fairly soon. It's certainly an issue that could have a huge financial impact on a lot of people. Is there anything they should know or do in the meantime? Yeah, this is really, really important. So if you would qualify for forgiveness, if the plan is allowed to move forward, one thing you definitely do not want to do between now and that expected Supreme Court decision in June is refinance or consolidate your federally owned student loans. And the reason for that is once you refinance or consolidate your loans with a private lender, those loans no longer qualify for the forgiveness. So that could cost you anywhere between ten and $20,000 in debt you otherwise wouldn't have had to pay. So as much as we like to be proactive and, and, and keep you know, uh, improving our financial situation and making progress towards our goals of paying down debt, in this case, the best thing to do is to sit tight and wait for that decision. Because if the plan is allowed to move forward and you have those qualifying loans, you can apply for forgiveness. And if it's not, well, then we'll want to look at what interest rates uh, are like and, and what the consolidation or refinancing options would look like and what would make the most sense for you then. Well, really important insight and advice, Mike. That decision is sure to have a big impact on a lot of people. Absolutely. Uh, paying for college is easily one of the biggest financial burdens and considerations that most people face. So regardless of how this decision goes, it's extremely important to have a plan for how you'll pay for your education or the education of your children if you're if you're so inclined to help them with that. And that's something that we do frequently for our clients at Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky as part of our strategic plan well, invest well, live well process. Balancing education costs against saving for retirement and the many other big financial goals that people often have is no easy feat. So it's extremely helpful to have a comprehensive financial strategy in place that takes into account all of those factors. Yeah, in fact, let me give a two-part question here, and that has to do with do you get people who come into you as a strategic wealth advisor who want to set up some kind of a college plan for their kids for the future? And secondly, do you get people that come in to you and speak to you about this whole thing about student loan forgiveness? In other words, asking you in the office or on the phone or Zoom, whatever you do, the same questions, the same kind of questions I'm asking you this morning. Absolutely, Wayne. So, I mean, people who have young kids and want to get ahead on planning for that, um, you know, the earlier they start, the, the easier it's going to be to make a significant impact or to pay for all of college. So we, we work with 
many, many of our clients on building an education uh, funding plan. And, you know, you, you don't know exactly what the target is until you start to understand where the child might want to go to school. Um, so that really intensifies as they get into high school and start to really seriously consider colleges. But we start that plan early and we, we tend to shoot high and, and, and try to save for, you know, to give flexibility, you know, to make sure there's enough money that the child or the student can go, you know, almost wherever they want to go. And, and obviously that's not a reality for everyone, but, you know, we, we, uh, we work with people uh, to, to get that plan in place. A very, very common thing that we do. And uh, to the second part of your question, um, I think a lot of people who have student loan debt uh, are sort of mystified by the whole process. They know they have this debt. It's a burden. It weighs on them. And they don't necessarily have a good plan for how to attack it and how to measure, you know, the, the importance of paying down that debt against other goals that they may have. And so that's, that's really the strategic part of it all. Is, of course, you want to pay down your debt, but you also want to save for retirement and you also want to buy a house and, you know, buy a new car and, and all those things. Trying to do everything all at once is a real challenge. So you need, you know, a comprehensive plan. To, to make progress towards all the goals simultaneously, but prioritize those that are the, the most important. And that's, that's where we come in, and that's where we make sense of the, these complicated, you know, student loan debt, student loan repayment, student loan forgiveness, you know, topics, and, and help make it all make sense. Is this something that you've been an expert on all along, or because of the recent talk about this and the Supreme Court case and things, do you have to get a little deeper into it and kind of stay up to date on exactly where things stand here in 2023? Yeah, well, this one, it's it's a little unique just because it's, you know, all of the different parameters around the program and what qualifies and what doesn't. But generally speaking, you know, I've been helping um, helping make sense of student loan debt and, and making plans for how to pay it down and how to prioritize that across, you know, the variety of goals a client may have for, for many years now. So um, I have a, a good familiarity with all student loan and student loan debt, um, you know, planning situations. And, and uh, it's something that, like I said, I like to clear up the confusion and, and make give people some clear direction on how to move forward with that. It's something that I really enjoy doing because uh, it can be a real burden for people. And lifting that, you know, just feels so good and lets people start focusing on other goals. Just to put this perspective, especially for the people who do not deal with student debt, randomly, I don't need names here, but randomly, what are some of the bigger amounts of student debt that people are encumbered by when they come to talk to you and they're saying, what do I do? How do I get out of this? And boy, it sure would be nice if they'd get rid of this for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I would say, um, obviously it depends on what kind of schooling you go to, but you know, I've certainly worked with medical professionals who have gone to undergraduate school and then four years of medical school and, and they have, you know, a quarter million dollars or more in student loan debt. And, and that's, you know, that, that can just be a tremendous, weight on their shoulders to know, okay, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have a good job. I'm going to make a good salary, but how much of that's going to go towards paying down this debt? And when am I actually going to be free of it? You know, it, it, so I mean, those are some of the bigger numbers, but you know, typically you're seeing, you know, high five figures, you know, approaching six figures. That's pretty common to have in student, student debt at this point. Well, then you also get that kind of debt investment and then you wind up 
you mentioned people that are doctors and the like. In theory, they're going to get that money back. Do these student loan programs allow you to get ahead on your repayment, meaning maybe you've got more money than you did five years ago, so you can pay off a big chunk of it? Maybe it's $100,000 without any kind of a prepayment penalty? Absolutely, yeah. You can definitely do that. And many people who have considerable student loans, they have five, six, seven different loans with potentially different interest rates um, and varying amounts. Because when you borrow, it's not usually all in one in one tranche. Uh, it, it tends to be spread out across a, a variety of different loans and lenders. Um, so, yeah, you want to look at that. And when you're making a plan to repay it, obviously this is sort of common sense, but you want to try to pay down the higher interest loans first. Um, and if you can consolidate, these are now we're talking kind of away from the federal loans, but if you can sort of consolidate things and lower your rate, then, then that's going to benefit you. But there's usually not a prepayment penalty at all. And once you have built up, you know, some cushion and some savings and you have an emergency fund in place, then that's when you would definitely, we would definitely encourage people to start making more aggressive pay downs on that debt because, you know, you're just going to pay more in interest over the long term if you, if you make the minimum payments. If you'd like to help, get help from Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky with your how to pay for college as part of a comprehensive and personalized financial plan, you can reach out to Mike and the team at 860-928-2341 or request a complimentary consultation on their website. Tell me more about the complimentary consultations and how those work. Well, I mean, it, it's we, we want to make sure people understand who we are and a lot of people aren't going to be comfortable sharing all of their financial information and, you know, their, their, their challenges and, um, you know, what their goals are right away. So the complimentary consultation is all about getting to know us and getting to know the client and understanding how we can work together and how we can help each other. So, um, you know, that can be a 30 minute conversation. It can be a little more involved than that. And, um, but we want to make sure it's a good fit for everyone. So, um, that we can help the client and, and it makes sense um, with the complexity of their situation and, and what we can do for them and that they're comfortable with us and understand you know, how we work and how our process works and, and what kind of information we're going to need from them to really be able to help. It's been a very timely discussion today about student loan forgiveness with Michael Baum from Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky. Michael, thanks for sharing your views with us this morning. Happy to be here, Wayne. Thanks again for having me. Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky, Strategic Wealth Advisors, Principal Managing Partners James Zahansky, AWMA, and Lawrence Hale, AAMS, CRPS, along with Vice President, Associate Financial Advisor, Lysel Cording, CFP, offer securities and advisory services through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Fixed insurance products and services offered through CES Insurance Agency. They practice at 697 Pomfret Street, Pomfret Center, Connecticut, 860-928-2341. They also practice at 392A Merrow Road in Tolland. Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors do not provide legal or tax advice. The tenured professionals team strives to support clients in achieving their financial life goals. Content sourced and resourced through 2021 Commonwealth Financial Network. For more information regarding wealth management and customized financial planning with Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors, please visit whzwealth.com.
14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.